Have you ever gone through a time of great emotional distress? Never pleasant, isn't the pain and the agony that you experience, the physical and the drain that it has on you spiritually and emotionally can wreck most people. Well, on today's podcast, we're going to be diving in and experience a time when Paul the Apostle faced great emotional distress and what he did about it. So let's get into it. Hey there, my friends. Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Jason Jimenez with you. As always, so blessed to be with you guys as we continue our study here in 1 Thessalonians. This is podcast 193. So we're almost to 200 episodes here on the podcast. So I'm excited about that as we've been studying the Bible in chronological order. So we've gone through the Gospels. We've gone through the book of Acts. We've gone through uh, James. We're going through first, uh, we did Galatians and now we're going through 1 Thessalonians. So I pray that you guys have learned a ton as we get into the meat of scripture. Now, at this point in the study, and again, I always encourage you wherever you get your podcasts to check out chapters one and two, because now we enter a new theme and it is standing fast in the Lord. And so what we're going to be diving into specifically on today's podcast is the remedy for distress. And we're going to be looking at three key things in this passage, you guys. The first is companionship. Now, that may be odd because immediately we think if we're going through a time of emotional distress, uh, we go see a doctor. And again, I'm not saying don't do that. Everyone is is different, and it depends on how long you've been going through uh, the emotional distress and why. Is it a traumatic experience? Um, have you been violated? Have you been spiritually, physically, verbally, emotionally, sexually abused? Uh, you know, so it, it, it varies, my friends. Some of you guys are going through an emotional distress uh, because you lost a job. Uh, maybe you are right now listening to this podcast and you need some answers in, in what you should do next. You you just sent off your last child or you just heard that, that your child you know, is going through a divorce or you yourself are separated or you are at odds with a friend right now or you're going through a situation uh, where again, like a lot of Ukrainians, they're, they're fleeing their country and maybe you perhaps live there and you no longer have a place of refuge. And that, my friends, that is deep emotional distress. Maybe you are fighting with a sibling. Maybe you are fighting with God. So whatever the case may be in this study in chapter three of first Thessalonians, we're going to be learning how to stand fast in the Lord. So companionship is key in all of this. Yes, see a doctor if you need to. Seek biblical counsel from friends, from you know strong advisors that you can count on that will keep things confidential and guide you and direct you in the power of the Holy Spirit. Get a professional certified counselor. Uh, maybe somebody has to... Uh, you know, address a few things and also guide you medically and, and chemically to some extent, but don't neglect companionship because that's what Paul turned to. The other thing we're going to be seeing is this level of accepting what you are going through. A lot of times people are in denial. Paul accepted the afflictions that he faced. And even though he didn't understand 
why he was going through them specifically. Nonetheless, he accepted them. And when you and I have that, not just the change of mindset, but when we understand that God is is in control and we can take the suffering that we're going through to honor and glorify him, that will, my friends, listen to me. I, I pray you you would hear this from my heart as one who's been broken, who's gone through a lot of suffering, who's gone through a lot of rejection, who has faced violation of my own life when I was a child. When you have to go through these things and you don't fully know why, you blame yourself, you can even blame other people, you can even blame God. But I pray, as I have thanked the Lord, have experienced great freedom in coming before God, accepting what I've gone through, not blaming him. We're going to see in a minute from Romans chapter five, how we can rejoice in the midst of it. And, and that will change the course of your life. And the third thing that we're going to see today is the spiritual warfare that is in the midst of emotional distress. So whatever you are going through, whatever you're faced with right now, knowing that there is an enemy who is using this to try to destroy you. So I'm glad you are with me, you guys. Let's dive right in. As always, encourage you guys to study this book as you jump into the text, read it in context, read the entire chapter. But today, we're going to be looking at verses one through five. So this is the remedy for distress. So the first part here is companionship to strengthen your faith, verses one and two. Paul says here, Therefore, we could bear it no longer. That literally means we could hold out against, meaning you you couldn't resist, you couldn't hold the line. He says we could bear it no longer that we were willing, meaning we preferred, we thought it better to be left behind at Athens alone. And so we went and sent Timothy, Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith. So then we see in verse three here that no one be moved by these afflictions for you yourselves know that we are destined for this. So one of the things we see right off the bat here is with, with uh, um, Paul is that he is addressing after he goes to Athens, Timothy went back to Macedonian cities. And the reason he went there was because one, there was, a distressful experience that Paul was undergoing by leaving the Thessalonians. And so when he gets to Athens, he's very concerned in the state in which he left him. And so what does he, what does he do? He goes and he appoints Timothy, a confidant to send him there to comfort them. So when he says that we're no one, that no one be moved by these afflictions for you yourselves know that we are destined for this. What he's also letting people know is don't be concerned about me. We're, we're concerned for you, but don't be concerned for us. And then verse four, for when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. And then he says, for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, once again, using that phrase, I could no longer endure it to put up with this difficulty. I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. So let's go back to Timothy being sent to Macedonia. And he's there to help strengthen their faith because they were dealing with persecution. Paul dealt with it. It's one reason why he had to flee. 
for the safety of his life and his colleagues, right? That's a good sign of a friend that he's not putting people in harm way uh, deliberately. He also has to protect the people that are around him. And so Timothy is there to help the Thessalonians to continue to grow in their, their, their faith. So this expression that Paul uses, it actually refers to a substance that could no longer be contained or confined. So when he says, I could bear it no longer, all right, he was so moved with compassion that he needed to tell the Thessalonians how he felt about them. So let's pause and let's understand something. This is what is, you guys, a benefit. And I'm going to use that term in a way that is not cheapening or celebrating suffrage in that sense. Right now, as I'm recording this recently, over a week ago, there was that mass shooting, that mass murder goes in there and killed 19 children and two, do- uh, two teachers. You want to talk about emotional distress? You want to talk about wanting to just leave this world because your little child was murdered in their classroom by a madman, by a man I think was demon-possessed and consumed with so much anger and hatred and lostness. And so we, when we talk about the, uh, the remedy for distress, how do you come alongside and love on these people who are mourning and in great, deep uh, grief? And, that, and, and what I'm saying is in these moments, you guys, as painful and dark and disturbing they can be, this is actually, and I know f- I'm talking from experience, especially, let me just say this, when I lost my mom, I remember having deep, rich, painful conversations about God's sovereignty, about God's grace, about my mother, and, and that she was only 36 years old and wasn't able to live her life fully, and I couldn't be with her any longer. And the one person that I love the most, the one person that I could count on and trust. And and by the way, the one person that I felt sorry for was my mother. And when I say I felt sorry for her, she was a loner. She did so much for her family and our family gave so little back to her. And, you know, it's in those times of having those conversations with family members and with friends and people I started to serve alongside in the ministry. In that emotional distress I found my voice. I found my heart, if you will. I was tapping into a level of, of compassion and emotion that I've never dealt with. And that, you guys, is the benefit sometimes of going through a, a, a particular trial that brings out emotional distress. And so when he was left behind at Athens alone, if you go back to Acts chapter 17, verses 14 and 15, Luke records that, that Paul went to Athens here. And then he sends Timothy and also Silas. And it is not clear, though, uh, when Silas arrived to be with Paul and Timothy, but Paul was unable to return to Thessalonica, so he sends Timothy in his place. Now, notice he sends Timothy in his place. He says, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to do what? To establish and exhort you in your faith. And this is the need, right, for men and women who are listening to this podcast right now not just going through a time of trial, but being a companion like Timothy was to go for a purpose into Thessalonica as they're facing persecution to establish and exhort these people in their faith. Guys, that's a mission. 
That's a man, that's a Christian, that's a follower of Jesus Christ on a mission. The, the Greek word here is theriso. It means to cause someone to grow stronger and immovable, notice, in their thinking, in their attitudes, and also in their beliefs. Now, this word is found in classical Greek literature, and it has a, a, a language here and a reference point to a buttress being placed on a building for added strength. So that the word here is derived from that, that this is a pillar. He's going to cause him to be a pillar to strengthen them. And not only that, but catch this to also exhort. Now, Timothy is considered one of the most effective ministry companions that the Apostle Paul had ever had on his team. Remember, he not only strengthened the faith of thousands here in Thessalonica, but we're also told that Timothy ministered to the churches in Philippi. If you look at Philippians chapter 2, 19 through 24, this is what Paul said about Timothy. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I shortly, I myself will come also. So here's the key thing, you guys. And the first point here in the scriptures, when we're going through a time of emotional distress, you need to have people who are there to establish you, meaning to strengthen you, not just in your, in your mind, but your attitude and your actions. Let me just give you a small little example. You know, through the years, being blessed to have friends, you know, in my life, as well as me doing the same to people who I'm very fond of, who are like companions to me, there, there have been times when you don't feel like doing something and they're there to assist and aid you and help you. They may be your hands and feet for a time being so that you don't get behind or they can say, Hey, um, it's a new day, right? You didn't, you weren't able to do this yesterday, but can you do it today? Can you try to do it a little bit today? You know, can you get a sip of water? Can you take down a meal? Can you go for a walk? Can you go to church? You know, can you, uh, be with me? Can, can, can you do that? And it's a, it's a, it's a, they may be incremental. They may be small little steps, but it's making progress. And, and wouldn't you know over time you're getting back at a routine. You're, you're, you're able to do some things that you thought you couldn't ever do again. It's like grieving alongside and counseling with people who've lost loved ones. And, and they never, they don't think that they can live life without that person anymore. And I know the feeling, right? And, and sadly, many of you listening do as well. But there does come a day when you wake up. We know the famous passage in Lamentations that God's mercies are new every day. And that this is the day the Lord has made. And yet, yes, we can rejoice and we can find gladness despite the emotional distress that we're going through. And I do believe that, you guys, as a follower of Jesus Christ, even in the midst of the tragedy in Uvalde, Texas, that the, 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 the parents who've lost precious uh, daughters and, and sons, that they're, they, they can still find peace and refuge and comfort as the bible says that jesus is the rock god himself he's the great redeemer that he be their fortress he be that he is their defense 
And so that's what I'm saying is when you come to establish uh, people, not just in their faith, but to help them in their thinking process and their emotions and their abilities and their actions. But notice that Timothy didn't just stop there. It wasn't just like he went there to give him a crash course on apologetics. It wasn't just strengthening their faith in what to believe. He was helping them be immovable, not to just, not just to compromise. It's not about just, oh, here's what I'm going to give you guys so that you don't fall prey to false doctrine. No, what he's saying is I'm going to strengthen your faith, help you guys so that you're immovable, that you're going to be stronger through this than when it first hits you. And so what did he do? He exhorted them, exhorted them. He was there to encourage them along the way. And so those are things that are so important, you guys, in the midst of emotional distress that we find companionship with people who are going to help strengthen our faith, our our way of thinking, our mood, our attitude, and our beliefs and our actions. So that's number one. Number two, notice here in verse three, again, as I mentioned earlier, the acceptance of the hardship. Notice he says, let no one be moved by these afflictions for you yourselves know that we were destined for this. So notice what he does. Right off the bat, Paul uses an interesting phrase, moved by these afflictions. It's interesting, you guys, because when you take a deep dive into Greek, the imagery that Paul uses here of dogs wagging their tails, it, it literally captures this phraseology, if you will, of uh, uh, to fawn or to, to, to be cringed over something, like to cringe over something or to be shaken. So you say, well, what on earth does that mean? This is what it means. Paul here was stressing that Christians shouldn't be disheartened or shaken. So like a, a dog wagging their tables or cringing at something or are scared, Paul says, don't be like that when these things hit. Don't be disheartened. Don't be shaken by the troubles and the suffering that you're going through for your faith. And then he says, you're destined for this. It's inevitable. You and I know this, right? Jesus said, they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. They hated me, they'll hate you. So it's inevitable that we as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, will face some form of opposition or persecution because of our faith in Christ. Paul said in Philippians 1.20, he said that we will suffer for Jesus' sake. We are told in Romans 5.3 that we are to rejoice in our suffering. Why? Because we know that our suffering produces endurance. So that's one of the benefits. When we go through something as, uh, you know, as intense of, 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 of loss of a loved one, go through a divorce, if you go through uh, some form of tragedy where you've been uh, abused, if you go through it, like many Christians are being persecuted their faith and they're refugees and they're fleeing their countries uh, to, to save their families. When you're going through that, there's, there's, there's an endurance. And that's one of the things that we see you guys, though we don't want to have to go through and face these kind of things, but we see the quality of endurance. We see the appreciation, the gratitude that people have when they go through various trials. Second Timothy 3.12 says, indeed, all who desire to love a godly life. So if you and I want to be godly, the Bible doesn't say go to seminary. When the Bible says here that you desire to love a godly life in Christ Jesus, it doesn't say then go to church regularly, though we are to go to church, not to forsake the assembly of ourselves. What does it say here? If you and I, as Christians, if you and I love a godly life in Christ Jesus, 2 Timothy 3.12, I didn't make this up. This is from the words of Paul himself. 
you will be persecuted. Okay? So if you and I have a desire to to be like Christ, we will suffer. Now, accordingly, Christians are not to feel defeated, but ought to rejoice for being considered worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. I mean, that right there, you guys, is so lost among American Christians. So if you're listening to this outside the world, I'm not excluding you. But when you look at the wealth and the privilege that many Americans, most Americans, myself included, have been blessed with, I mean, look at how little we are willing to give in our devotion to Christ. Why? In many ways, because we become apathetic, because we take it for granted. And so to to be counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ is not something that many American Christians have gone through. Now, if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. And see, the sad reality is, as a side note, is if we don't learn through the time of emotional distress, and if we let it consume us to where we get bitter, we become so insecure, we get depressed, we become suicidal, uh, we become recluse, we blame God, we show hatred, discontent, and we respond in a way that is not honorable to the Lord. And the sad reality is what it does is, is it can cause us to revile. And, and, and that's the opposite. That's the, the, the complete opposite of what Paul um, is talking about here in first Thessalonians and also here back in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, blessed are those bless them when they revile and persecute you under all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. So we are, my friends, not to uh, use these as times to attack people. And sadly, when I've dealt with a lot of Christians who've gone through emotional distress and they've gotten bitter. And of course, what they do is one, they'll, they'll blame the people around them. And so they don't have companions. Two, they're not accepting the hardship. Notice this isn't saying take responsibility for a particular sin. No, this is when you're, when you look at people going through afflictions and you empathize for them and you know, as Christians, we will go through hardships in this world. We live in a fallen world, but there are people who will attack us and we are to suffer for Jesus's sake. Right. And so that's going to look different uh, in your life as it's going to look in uh, versus my life. But what we are not to do is we're not to revile. We're not to get upset and bitter about this whole stuff. We're, we're to accept and say, God, what do you want me to learn uh, through this? How can I grow through this? I, I don't, to be honest, I don't want to face this. I don't want to have to go through this. You know, I miss fill in the blank. I miss my spouse who died. I miss my child who died. I miss my sibling who died. You know, and, you know, life is filled with a lot of loss and a lot of pain. And, and it doesn't make it better when we revile and we get upset and we name call and we blame people and we harbor resentment. Now, honestly, as other people suffer alongside of you, people take it differently. I know a lot of people who have lost loved ones and they get critical in the end. And you try to be a companion for them. You try to teach them to accept the hardship and to learn from it. 
and know that we're blessed as a result, especially if you're being persecuted for your faith. And I've had people quit the mission field because of it. They're tired of it. I've had people stop going to church or stop going to a small group or really stop believing, in, you know, some form of deconversion, if you will, because of the hardship, because the, the distress that they're, that they're undergoing is unbearable. And then they start turning the finger and start blaming even people like me. And at the time, I, I remember going through a time of emotional stress and I felt the same. You feel, again, abandoned. You feel lonely. You feel contagious. You feel like you're the problem. And you start panicking. You get paranoid and wondering, who can I trust? And that leads us to this third element, you guys, as we have companionship in the midst of emotional distress to help people grow strong in their faith, to encourage them and help them accept the hardship and trust God through it. Now we have to focus on the enemy. That there are spiritual battles, you guys, that are raging all the time. And so, yes, you, you could undergo a physical loss. It could be related to a loved one. It could be related to abusive relationship. It could be related to losing your job, uh, being promised something, and then they don't come through. And then what are you going to do? And you got to sell your house and you got to move in with your parents or whatever. But beneath all of that, behind all of that, what is going on in the spiritual level? And so here in verse four and five, it says, for when we were with you, remember Paul says, hey, when we were there, we, we told you guys numerous times that you're going to suffer. You're going to go through affliction. And he says, just as it has come to pass. So meaning, just like we said, we, we told you guys this will happen. And sure enough, you're going through it. Don't worry, Timothy's going to be there. I wish I could be there. But also he says, um, I could bear it no longer. So I wanted to learn about how you guys are doing. And also he says, I'm afraid there's a fear because somehow he's thinking in his mind, Paul's concerned that Satan refers to him as a tempter has tempted you and our labor would be in vain. So he is, is acknowledging and notice you guys in our own lives, how this does come about. What is the grip that Satan has on you? in your life because Paul, though he spent time with them, uh, Timothy was there to help grow them in their faith, uh, to exhort them for them to understand that God's in control in the midst of all this. But we still are in this fallen world where the God of this age who has blinded people, who has the keys of the earth and is, is um, free to roam around until his day of judgment, that he opposes God's people. And he brings about much opposition. And so Paul's enemies, remember physically that I think were motivated in being influenced by Satan himself, they're telling the Thessalonians several lies. Number one, Paul wasn't returning. Why? Because he didn't care. And I can't tell you how many times, uh, even in recent um, years, in recent months, uh, I've had people say, I don't care uh, because I don't, uh, check on them as as often or as frequently as they desire. And that's, you know, it takes some responsibility, but at the same time, you're thinking, you know, it works both ways. And, and, I, and I do believe that there are moments in these conversations where you're seeing that the enemy has crept in there and planted these lies. And that's what was happening here is, is, is it like, like people were going out there telling the Thessalonians, where's Paul? If he cared for you so much, why isn't he here? 
Number two, they're suffering because of sin. Oh, and this is where some of the prosperity doctrine comes in that the enemy uses. You have cancer. Did you lose a loved one because of a sickness? You didn't have faith. You weren't planting seeds financially into God's kingdom. So give right now and, you know, we'll, we'll intercede and pray on your behalf. Guys, that's not true companionship. Those people are taking advantage of your money. Those are swindlers. And the tempter characterized, you know, here as the tempter, the hinderer, as he refers to Satan in first Thessalonians chapter two, verse 18, not only does he try to hinder you to disqualify you in your walk. So you think about how many people started in ministry or walking and they, they fell into sin and immediately they're, they are spiritually disqualified to be in a position of authority for the time being, depending on what it is. Right. But immediately it's just over. It's done. Their credibility has been shot. And that's what Satan wants. And that we're told in Matthew 4, 13, that the tempter came and said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And so, so here that, you know, that's another thing that Satan tries to, to tempt us on is, Hey, if you're such a strong Christian, just pray, pray that God would take this away, that God wouldn't take your son. You know, your, your loved ones here dying in the hospital, just go ahead and pray. Pray and ask God to heal your son and see what happens. Because if he doesn't answer your prayer and your loved one dies, then why are you messing around with this false religion anyway then? Now, I love what the Zonervan Illustrated Bible Dictionary says in, in, in this context here with the tempters is the idea of putting to the proof from either a good or bad intention is found throughout the Bible. Thus, the Lord often tests people with the purpose of strengthening their faith while Satan tempts them because he wishes to undermine their faith. Jesus, true man, faced both testing from God and temptation from Satan. Satan. So there's a distinction, you guys. When you're going through emotional distress, there's temptation that will come upon you, and there's also the testing of the Lord. Now, the ruler of this world, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's also referred to as the prince of the power of the error in Ephesians 2 verse two. And as I mentioned earlier, the God of this world, second Corinthians four, four. So Satan's goal is to disqualify you guys. His goal is to take whatever you're going through, especially in a time of emotional distress and ha have you ignore uh, what God's purposes are. He doesn't want you to see it that way. He doesn't want you to be aware of it. He wants you to feel alone, abandoned, waste of time. I can't tell you how many people, sadly, when they're going through a time of emotional distress, that they don't see the enemy at work. They're blinded to it. Now, in this case, what Paul was identifying that Satan was attempting to destroy was the ministerial work, the relationships. And guys, it's going to be tested. And I have lost friends, and I'm sure you have as well, who... Uh, Believe a lie rather than the truth. And they can't count on you. They can't trust you. You're the problem. And that's what Satan was trying to destroy. Not just the teachings of Paul, but the relationship as well. So if they, dis if they could, dis if Satan could discredit Paul to the Thessalonians, you think they would have been embracing Timothy? No. And if they didn't embrace Timothy, then they would have nobody there who's going to strengthen them and encourage them. 
So when you see the force of, of this phrase, drawing out Paul's feelings, the labor that would be in vain, you're seeing his love for the people. And that's something worth fighting for you guys. So if you're going through a time of emotional distress, you have to fight for what is right, right? Not to party, not like the old song from um, Beastie Boys, but you have to make sure that you're fighting for what is right in the sense that you cannot compromise in what God is doing in your life. Because when you're walking before God, you're working, okay? His faith is active. So as I close, what I want to remind you guys in the midst of emotional distress, and then we're going to talk about the joy in others in the next episode. But number one is, in the midst of, of going through emotional distress, when it comes to the spiritual aspect that there is an enemy who, who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy, John 10, 10, you need to be aware of Satan's schemes. We're told that in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11. So I want you guys to pay close attention to the schemes of Satan. It could be through people. Uh, it could be through false uh, emotions that you have, false thoughts that may be coming to your mind frequently. Uh, number two, you need to shield yourself. Again, this is the shield of faith. You need to use your shield of faith, according to Ephesians 6, verse 11, to block Satan's fiery darts. Because those fiery darts are coming from your mind, coming from your heart. Uh, they're coming for your family. We are targets, my friends. And if you're vulnerable, if you're left alone, if you're not grounded in God's word, if you're not it, holding the sheet, shield of faith, you will be hit. Number three, you need to resist Satan's temptations. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 5. You need to know the difference between when God is testing you. Sometimes it could be hard to figure out in the beginning. But it'll become quite clear if this is of Satan or if it's of God. Remember, in that sense, it's not that deceiving or unclear. But yes, when when I lost my brother, you know, there was the uh, testing of trusting God that he will take care of his family, like my brother's wife and five children, my nephews and nieces, my sister-in-law. And being, you know, over 2,000 miles away from them, I can't, you know, check on them and be there for them physically every day. And so that was a trial to trust God in the midst and that through this loss, they would draw closer to the Lord. Now, the temptation side was to get upset and to worry um, and, and to then, through those emotions, act irresponsibly instead of trusting the Lord. And so those are good ways of seeing the difference between God testing you and the temptations from Satan. Now, Warren Wiersbe said this, as I close, God's word is one of the best tools for establishing new Christians in the faith. When Jesus was tempted by Satan, he used the word of God to defeat him. Paul admonished the Ephesian believers to take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God in their battle against Satan in his demonic assistance. A working knowledge of the Bible is essential for spiritual growth and stability. God's word is food to nourish us, light to guide us, and a weapon to defend us. This is what the Lord says, okay, is our sure foundation. 
One reason God has established local churches is that believers might grow in the word and in turn help others to grow as well. And what better opportunity we have as Christians than when, when, when our fellow brothers are going through a time of emotional distress, what is the remedy? Jesus Christ. And then when I say Jesus Christ in that, the remedy is you being a companion like Timothy was to Thessalonica. A remedy to distress is to accept it and trust God in the midst of it and knowing that there are times of testing and to avoid slipping into temptation. The remedy to distress is to know that there's an enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy and not giving yourself to his his lurement, his enticement. You not being defeated by the enemy, my friends. So I pray all my listeners out there, if you are going through a time of emotional distress, email us. We'd love to hear what you're going through and how we can pray for you. You can email us at info at standstrongministries.org. And if this ministry has been a blessing to you guys as you listen, you can go to standstrongministries.org. You can click on donate. You can continue to help support this ministry to reach tens of thousands of people around the world every week with our podcasts. We need your support now more than ever during the times that we've been looking at how to spread and expand uh, this broadcast. The, the expenses are certainly growing and with inflation costs and with cancel culture, it's becoming more difficult. But as we talked about in the podcast today, we trust the Lord and we are honored to be persecuted for his name's sake. So thank you guys for listening until next time. Keep standing strong, my friends. Thank you.